This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 5.08 and you're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sharmila. First up today, the director and producer, respectively, of Mantega Terbang were charged in magistrate's court with the charges of, and I'm quoting, deliberate intention of wounding the religious feelings of others. So the director is Kairi Anwar, producer is Tan Meng King, um, and they've both pleaded not guilty to the offence, which falls under Section 298 of the Penal Code. Um, and they were both represented uh, by lawyers and Surindran uh, and and uh, Zaid Malik, both from Lawyers for Liberty. Now, they have been allowed, so Kyrie has been allowed 6,000 ringgit bail uh, and Tan has been allowed 6,500 ringgit bail with one surety, respectively. Magistrates also imposed a gag order and uh, Kyrie must report to the Kajang uh, police headquarters once a month until the case is disposed of. And the case mentioned has been set for March 14th. Now, if you don't, if you somehow miss the whole Mantega Terbang um, really controversy that started last year, uh, the movie essentially got into a fair amount of trouble once it was released on an OTT platform for featuring uh, scenes that... Um, some people said was offensive to Muslims. Yes, so the the film as a whole, I haven't seen it, but from what I gather has to do in many ways with a personal coming-of-age story of uh, a young girl struggling in the face of grief to make sense of the world. And as part and parcel of that, the, the scenes in question involve um, an expression of interest or desire in trying pork, uh, as well as the issue of leaving the faith. And I think that it's those two scenes, uh, or those scenes in particular, that have caused the the firestorm um, at which the movie has been the centre. So you may remember that there were various statements going around uh, that Jakim had found that the, con- the the contents of the film went against the creed and way of life of Muslims from the Shafi school of thought in our country. Um, there MCMC had also contacted VIEW, the platform in question, and they had confirmed that the movie had been taken down. And there were also all sorts of very um, extreme actions, including death threats and death threats, violence. A lot of things surrounded the movie and its creators. And now we're at court. Yes, and now we're at court. And I think really at um, the way this is being framed, uh, at least in conversations within the arts and the film circles, is um, where does the question of freedom of expression or freedom of thought come uh, if we are talking about filmmakers or creatives now being taken to court. And I mean, of course, we will hear more about the legalities involved in the case, but it does send a particular message, right? And I think the other thing is that which, which when we did the show last year during the controversy also came out and uh, even opinions from our listeners were split because on the one side, of course, you have the argument that if you don't agree with um, the contents of any piece of art, that you needn't consume it, that you don't have to even put your money towards it, for instance. Um, and on the other hand, there are people who say, well, there are lines that shouldn't be crossed and perhaps this crossed it. Sure. Um, there is also a wider conversation happening. So today we're going to focus on what's happening 
or what we can understand from the charges. And so we're taking a quite legal perspective to discuss this. But there is also an entirely separate point, which is about the effect this has on the arts and culture scene in our country. Because many creatives, um, many creators have actually spoken about how how this is deeply chilling in many ways and um, and the effect that it could have on the ways we think about growing our scene or what it means to be artists and to be culturally expressive in our country and what's available to what's available to us I mean especially coming on the wake of um, you know talk of going to the Oscars uh, Michelle you're winning an Oscar for instance and questions about oh why doesn't this happen to filmmakers in Malaysia or, or more creative and in then Malaysia. also the story around tiger stripes yes. so Exactly. It's a bunch of different things, um, but we are going to be getting very shortly into the situation as it currently stands with lawyer Fari Azad. Uh, we're also asking you, what do you make of these charges against the director and producer of Mantega Terbang? They were charged officially today. Um, should it have gone this far? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Being first matters. BFM 89.9. It is 5.14 and you're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sharmila. And we're talking today about the charges uh, that were brought against the director and producer of Mantega Terbang in Magistrate's Court today. Uh, the charges were specifically the deliberate intention of wounding the religious feelings of others. Mantega Terbang has, of course, been a film that has been at the centre of controversy since its release. So we're asking you, uh, what do you make of these charges? Do you think that it should have gone this far even? That number to call, double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp, 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Speaking with us now, we have lawyer Fari Azad. Fari, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Lynn. Hi, Shamila. So the furore over Mantega Terbang first began with a number of police reports um, made last year that's now progressed into, as we said, the director and producer being charged with the deliberate intention of wounding the religious feelings of others. Could you maybe help us understand how the charge came about and what laws apply here? Okay, so um, as I understand it, um, basically once the film came out, there are a lot of people or, or some people who who claimed that um, the film upset them uh, because it talked about or promoted apostasy and that is somehow uh, offensive to Islam and therefore Muslims. And the thinking therefore that is that uh, you cannot have it and you have to shut this down. So, so really, um, even though it's the police reports that have uh, basically initiated the legal process, I think what really... How it's come about, really, it's because of this uh, inability of the majority, seemingly the majority of a society, to be able to have one more than one view or to be able to accept contradictory views and to, to appreciate that, look, there are a plurality of views. There is one view for every person, pretty much, you know. And, and this is basically an attempt to say there's only one way to look at this. Um, so what laws apply here? Well, um, you know, we, we can go through and try and pick, pick and choose. Uh, but I think what is of significance here is that the AG, and I think uh, in that sense, only the Attorney General's decision on this is, is the one that counts. And they have charged them under Section 298 of the Penal Code 
not a very much used provision. Um, in fact, I was trying to do a little bit of a case search to see whether I could find anything on the case law, and I only came up with one magistrate's court on one um, on legal database. So there, there's not very much there. And Section 298 is about so-called deliberately uh, wounding the religious feelings of another person with a deliberate intention to do so. Yeah, so so I think um, that that would be the relevant law that, that's up for discussion now. So Fari, I'm glad that you um, clarified that it isn't a law that is um, super common. And, and, and as a layperson, um, I was also quite intrigued with the, the application of it. It does seem like the notion of deliberately intending to wound religious feelings can be subjective. What does the law say about how exactly this offence is defined and how will it be proven in court? Um, well, as as the magistrate had pointed out, basically it's um, two two uh, elements to it. One, there is a wounding of the of uh, wounding of the religious feelings of a person, and there was the second one is there's deliberate intention. Okay, so. Um, now, what, okay, when you say how is this going to be proof, one, uh, they have to show the act of it, okay, so I suppose they're going to show the movie, and then I think that the intention is going to be the difficult part, because, um, I mean, this, this is just my view, you know, the directors may have had uh, other issues in mind, uh, they didn't mean to annoy or, or, or deliberately wound anybody's feelings, but I think they had they are trying to bring up a reality which is going on in Malaysia, which is not really addressed and not talked about simply because of the religious sensitivities related to it. So if you ask me, that would, I imagine, be what their intention was and how you take it is really up to you. Um, you know, you can look at a teddy bear and get upset. You know what I mean? So... So to, to say this movie deliberately intended to cause all these wounding, I think that would be very interesting on the side of the prosecution, how they're going to demonstrate that. And how significant is this case in our legal landscape, particularly in the ways, in, the ways that it pertains to freedom of expression? Um, I, think, I think this case um, is an indication and um, if it's repeated in terms of the policy to, 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 to take action for films, I think it was going to have a really chilling effect because anybody can launch a police report, anybody can make a complaint, but if all of them are going to be taken seriously and films are going to be not only be banned, okay, so the film, as I understand, was banned earlier, but the directors and the scriptwriters are going to be prosecuted well, you know, um, that's definitely going to worry and scare a lot of people from actually making films or, or coming up with art that addresses the reality of Malaysia. And I think we will suffer not only from a religious standpoint, I think we will suffer from an artistic and spiritual standpoint because these artists, what they try to do is, is show us the reality. And if we don't let them do that, well, then we're going to live in this fantasy now, 
If we look at um, at least what happened today, um, or what we know from today's proceedings, Deputy Public Prosecutor offered 10,000 ringgit bail for each of the accused and um, also issued a gag order against commenting until the case is disposed of. Now, the uh, one of the defence counsels, and Surindran, had objected to both of these conditions and said that the bail was excessive, the gag order was unnecessary. Do you agree with him? And could you explain how these conditions are usually determined? Um. Okay, let me just start with whether I agree with him. I, I do, because I think um, people who practice criminal law, the starting point is always you're innocent until proven guilty. Now, when you hit a 10,000 ringgit, you know, 10,000 is a lot, okay? And you have a gag order. I mean, it seems to suggest they've prima facie done something wrong. You know, if not, why, why is there such an onerous condition for bail? Um, so now, how are these conditions determined? Um, basically, um, I will just summarize the, the law on bail. If the law, uh, if the offense is what you call a bailable offense, that means somebody has a right to bail, okay? You, and the court is supposed to accommodate them, you know, uh, because it stems from that whole idea of innocent until proven guilty. Now, um, if it is a not if it is a non-bailable offense, okay, that means bail is not as of right. That means you have to establish you're not going to be a flight risk, uh, you're not going to tamper witnesses, evidence, etc., and stuff like that. And you have to make a case out. So two nine eight, I think, if I'm not mistaken, it should be a bailable offense because the offense is only up to imprisonment of a year and a fine or both. Okay, so that's very low. Um, so. You know, 10,000 for bail is, is high in such a circumstance, if you ask me. Um, and, and certainly the conditions imposed do not show respect for innocent until proven guilty. That's, that's my view. Can we talk a bit more about the gag order? Because I think um, that that's something that people are curious about. So we've established the conditions for bail and what that might look like. When it comes to a gag order in, in the setting of an ongoing case, um, what, I guess, what parameters are there usually? That's a good question. I, I haven't seen the order, so I'm not quite sure of the parameters of that. But um, yeah, it, it would be very much dependent on the uh, parameters the court has uh, prescribed for it. Um, but I'm guessing given given the, the development and the trajectory of this case, I think that my, my reading of it is gag order means, okay, nobody talk about this, so this doesn't become uh, inflamed again, you know? Hmm. Fari, what happens next in this process? Well, what happens next, they've been charged. Um, what the prosecution now has to do is prepare um, a bundle of documents that they intend to submit for the trial, and they have to serve that on the accused before the trial. Uh, I imagine if there's any, um, how should I say, attempt to try and, and, and resolve this matter amicably, as some of these um, you know, politicians have by writing in a letter of representation, I imagine those would be on the cards. Um, and I suppose in the absence of that, then uh, if those are, are settled, then it will be trial. But what happens next to the country, I don't know in the art scene, but I, I don't think uh, it's going to be a healthy after this. Right. I think a lot of people are going to be fearful about expressing themselves and 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 talking about the reality of what we're confronted with. 
I mean, that sounds like perhaps a final message, but I'm just going to ask you for one anyway. Is there a takeaway that you'd like to leave us with on the subject? Uh, yes, I, I, I think I think all of us need to resist this idea that there's only one way of looking at things. I think we need to grow as a maturity to accept a, a variety of views and views that not necessarily coincide with what we think, you know, because everybody has a right to their view. And I, I find it hard sometimes to find how people get so upset about other people's views. If you're not happy with that, don't listen to them. Just shut it off. Anyway, that's that's my what I have to say. Thanks, <laughs> Fari. Thanks you. Thank you so much for speaking with us. Uh, you just heard from lawyer Fari Azad uh, weighing in on uh, the charges that were brought against the director and producer Kyrie Anwar and Tan Ming King, respectively, of Mentega um, Terbang, which is an independent film. Uh, it's been very controversial for a variety of reasons. Anyways, they've been charged at magistrate court, and we're asking you what you make of this. Should it have gone this far? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp, 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. So I think quite predictably, we do have people comparing recent remarks mm. made by... Uh, made by a politician um, <laughs> uh, to, to... Of a certain ca- age. Yes, a nonagenarian, basically. That narrows it down a little bit. But essentially, remarks made by Tun M um, recently in talking about how that can also be seen as offence. Yes, so this notion of what what offends people and why some people get to say what they want and others don't. So Lee Jun says, what about a certain politician spewing accusations about non-Muslims, accusing them of being non-loyal? His status protects him from being charged. An anonymous listener says, I think a certain nonagenarian's public comments are much more injurious. This is nothing in comparison. I like that we're not even naming people anymore. We're just saying certain, <laughs> certain nonagenarian. But I, I think that um, this, this kind of speaks in in some ways to maybe how people who aren't part of a majority group can feel that um, again I think it's fair to say that even people within a majority group may not feel that charges like these represent them. So firstly, there's that. But the other part of it is that sometimes from the other perspective, it's the question of, well, whose feelings are we talking about? Which is something that Victor is bringing up, saying whose feelings are, are wounded? How do you prove that? So the thing is, right, actually... My problem with this with this whole approach is not even that people shouldn't feel offended or upset. You are within your right to feel offended or to feel upset or if something um, something doesn't align with your worldview. But that doesn't mean that you, that doesn't mean that the end point of it is that the opposite should just be shut down. That they need to be taken to court. That they need to be put in jail because that sends us down a slippery slope. Um, freedom of, ex- of expression. So. To be fair, said nonagenarian, I never get that word right, is also free to say whatever he wants, right? Um, But then if we're talking about who gets to say what, then perhaps we need to be more fair about who has the freedom to say things and and wound people. So Dr. Fazli says they could see lots of public outcry. The majority of Muslims would definitely reject the movie if a survey was ever done. While the producer may choose to creatively, you know, kind of craft the scripts and storyline, the problem was it's not normal. No Muslim would utter those words, Um, not educated ones. Um, And if anywhere ever that it might happen, it would only be because that person was not educated. It doesn't permit the producer to make it into a movie and try to portray it as a normal thing. For me, that is grossly lewd content in a video by an alternative movie producer. 
Dr. Fadzli, actually, I think it's fine that you hold that view. I actually think it's also fine that you publicly say it because that's the point of art. You get to hear whether people like or don't like the thing you make. I don't know, though, though whether that means they should be punished for it. Ah, so so there is that. Um, I think the other thing I would say is I find it interesting the use of the word normal mm. um, because I, I think the problem is that maybe because of our local landscape that it's very easy to perceive stories as didactic as if all stories we produce here are meant to have a lesson or a message when that's not necessarily the, the meaning of art or the meaning of filmmaking. Um, a story doesn't have to be commonplace to be told. Um, it doesn't have to represent what is considered normal, you know? So so I think there's just the question of what we mean when we talk about storytelling in the local context. But anyway, let us know what you think. Uh, we're talking about Mantega Terbang and its director and producer being charged. Uh, what do you make of it? Should it have gone this far? You can call us, you can send us a voice note or WhatsApp and tweet us at BFM Radio. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.